Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A father's relationship with his children is incredibly important to their emotional and social well-being. The negative effects on a child without a reliable father or father figure can be seen in countless studies and reports. The statistics show the importance of a father figure in the majority of children's lives. According to a study from the United States DOJ, children who lacked a stable paternal presence, be it from a dad, a grandpa, a teacher, a a trusted role model, these all account for 63% of youth suicides, 90% of homeless and runaway youths, 85% of all children which exhibit behavioral disorders, 71% of high school dropouts, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, and 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers. Now, in no way do these statistics diminish the role of the mother in the lives of her children, but the evidence speaks clearly. A well-rounded adult needs both the presence of loving and nurturing men and women to thrive. For one simply does not function to its potential without the other, which is why God designed our families the way he did, regardless of their makeup. This is also not to say, however, that when a father or father figure is present, that everything will go smoothly for the child. For even the very best dads are still sinners. Authors and screenwriters of all kinds have often recognized the complex relationship which can exist between fathers and their sons. And they've used this tension to create some powerful and moving narratives. One of my favorites comes to mind. When Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back revealed to Luke Skywalker while they were battling that he was, in fact, Luke's father. Sorry for the spoilers there. It was the most shocking father-son moment since, well, probably 2,000 years beforehand in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized and The clouds opened up, and God the Father himself announced, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Friends, how many other movies can you think of that revolve around a similar dynamic, the relationship between fathers and sons? A few come to mind just off the top of the head. The Godfather, a story really about a son trying to preserve his father's legacy. Finding Nemo. A story about an overprotective father and a wayward son. The Tree of Life. A story that explores the generational effect of how fathers raise their sons. And of course, who could forget The Lion King? Another story about a son who grows up feeling like he failed his father and could not be what he expected. Based on our own storytelling, we humans know both how important fathers are and how difficult our relationships with them can be. In our midweek Advent series this year, we've explored four different father and son relationships found in the Old Testament, all of which we have seen ended in disappointment and oftentimes tragedy. Cain, the son of Adam, was not the promised savior that Adam and Eve expected that he would be. Rather, he continued in his father's sin, becoming the first man among many to strike out and kill his brother, Abel. Ishmael, the son of Abraham, was also not the promised son either. Abraham and Sarah thought that they had 
to take matters into their own hands in order to produce an heir for Abraham. But soon they learned the folly of their ways, of not trusting fully in God and trying to produce on their own what only the Lord could do. Absalom, the son of David, despite his father's great love for him, ended up disappointing his father as well, rebelling against him and losing his life in the process. Finally, Israel, the name of the people who God himself called his firstborn son. They rejected his promises. They killed his prophets. And they lusted after other gods. All of these stories, both biblical and modern, help point us to the most complicated father-son relationship of all time. It is the story of God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, and the children that he created, the sons of man, and no, not just the old people of Israel. For this is our story. Though we desperately need the presence of our loving heavenly Father in our lives for our well-being, we too have rejected time and time again him through our sinful and foolish ways. Like Cain, we have not lived up to the expectations given to us in God's law. We have become murderers through our sinful thoughts, words, and actions. Like the story of Ishmael, we have often tried to take matters into our own hands, thinking that by our works we could manipulate God's plan or find loopholes in order to win salvation. This drives us only further from him. Like Absalom, we have rebelled against our heavenly Father and King, wanting to rule our own lives instead. But for each time we do, we see how this leads us only to condemnation and to death. At last, like the Israelites of old, we have frequently tried to replace God with graven images and idols more suitable to our own sinful sensibilities. We place all our stock in those things which have no power to save us. Rather than trust in our Father's guidance, which is always wise and good, we prefer to place our trust in political figures, in military might, or in ourselves to try to find salvation in this body and life. Rather than listen to the truth that our God speaks to us, we prefer to listen and place our confidence in the opinion of others. Ours is a story of wayward and stubborn children who have a father who is even more stubbornly pursuing them out of his great love. It is a story perfectly captured by Jesus in his parable of the prodigal son. Many of you know this story well. The younger son of a wealthy and generous landowner demanded his share of his father's inheritance. It is like he has said to him, Father, I wish you were dead already so that I could have all your belongings. With his words... He murders like Cain. With his actions, he rebels like Absalom. Yet even more shockingly, the father gives his son what he wants. He allows him to walk away and out of his life. Yet the father never stops looking for his son and hoping and praying that he will return. Though he had every reason to be, he was not angry with his son. He simply wanted another opportunity to show him how much he loved him. And finally, when the son had wasted all of his father's money and found himself at the end of his rope, his father got just such a chance 
to show how great his love for his son was. The prodigal son knew that he did not deserve his father's love or even a spot in the family again. He merely wanted to return to him as a servant. Perhaps he thought he could work his way back in by his own efforts. With his focus on his works, he became like another Ishmael. But his father would have none of it. Before he could even speak, his son was embraced tightly, clothed in the finest robe and sandals, and given the family ring, a symbol of his status as a son of the father. A celebration was planned, a fattened calf was sacrificed, and the son who was once lost had been found. The son who was once dead is now alive again. Like Israel, time and time again, the father welcomed his son back into his house once he repented. This story always begs the question when we hear it, how could any father love his son like this? How could he just receive him back as if he had done nothing wrong? Would God do the same for us as well? Friends, these questions and many others are answered by the story of Christmas. The Christmas story tells the story of the only perfect father-son relationship that has ever existed. This is a relationship that has existed since before time began, and it continues to exist today. It will continue to exist throughout eternity. It is a relationship that is proclaimed in many of the Christmas songs that we gather around this festal day to sing. We just heard one of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. He is Alpha and Omega, He the source, the ending He. Or what about last night where we sang Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God, Love's Pure Light. Son of the Father, now in flesh appearing, now through His Son doth shine the Father's grace divine. It is a story also told to us in the Holy Scriptures, particularly from John's Gospel, which was read to you just a moment ago. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. See, God the Father knows how much we need him, despite our frequent rejection of him. We need to know our Father. It is the only way to find true joy, peace, true hope, and life. And in order to make us children of God, God did the unthinkable. He sent His only begotten Son into our world, the Son of Man and the Son of God, to be the perfect Son that we could never be. When the fullness of time had come, St. Paul explains, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that is, you and me, so that we, those same sinners, might receive adoption as sons. Jesus is that true son, the true son of Adam, who was the promised seed foretold in Genesis 3, and who committed no murder like Cain with his thoughts, words, or deeds. Rather, 
He himself was killed in order that we might live. Likewise, Jesus is the true son of Abraham, the one who would bless all nations by taking our salvation into his hands and giving us that righteousness which we could never win for ourselves. Jesus is also the true son of David. He is the king of kings who remained perfectly obedient to the will of his father and yet became a curse for us by hanging from a tree. Jesus is the perfect son of God, begotten of his father from eternity. He is the whole of Israel, boiled down to one sinless man who would become their righteousness and who would shed his blood to reconcile them to their heavenly father. Psalm 146 reminds us, Put not your trust in princes, in any son of man in whom there is no salvation. For when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day his plans perish. But this Jesus is no prince of this world, nor is he any ordinary son of man, but he is both the son of man and the son of God, the prince of peace. And when his breath departed, God's salvific plan was complete. God and his lost, erring, sinful children were at last reconciled. Because of the gift of his son, God reveals to us in a shocking twist that he is in fact our father. Our father who loves us and forgives us who gives us the right to become his own dear children. God has adopted you and has made you part of his eternal family through your baptism into Christ Jesus. What God said to Jesus at his baptism, God now says to you through yours, this is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Rejoice this Christmas day, dear brothers and sisters, for you are not fatherless children. You do not have an absentee parent. Though you don't deserve it, you have been given a perfect relationship with your father who has given up his only begotten son for you. By token of his blood shed for you on Calvary, your father has made the promise to always love you, to care for you, to shield you with his presence just as any good father should do. All of this we read that God has done, granting through his granting love through his own son. Therefore all Christendom rejoice and sing his praise with endless voice. Alleluia. In Jesus name. Amen. May the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.